Welcome to our podcast today on A Course in Miracles. We're so happy to have you with us. It's the third day in a row. Clear skies, not a cloud in the sky here in Washington. Such a bright and cheery day. And uh, this is still chapter 7, section 10. It's a long chapter with a lot of sections. Mm -hmm. Section 10, the confusion of pain and joy. Mm, Yeah. Okay, the kingdom is the result of premises just as this world is. You may have carried the ego's reasoning to its logical conclusion, which is total confusion about everything. If you really saw this result, you would not want it. The only reason you could not possibly want any part of it is because you do not see the whole of it. You are willing to look at the ego's premises, but not at their logical outcome. It is not possible that you have done the same thing is it not possible you've done the same thing with the premises of God? Your creations are the logical outcome of his premises. His thinking has established them for you. They are exactly where they belong. <clears throat> they belong in your mind as part of your identification with his. But your state of mind and your recognition of what is in it depend on what you believe about your mind. Whatever these beliefs may be, they are the premises that will determine what you accept into your mind. Okay, well, I think what that's trying to say is that we don't go deep enough into whatever it is we're thinking. We don't go deep enough into our mind to find the logical outcome. So, It's saying that when you're thinking with ego thoughts, you're thinking kind of on the surface. And if you carried them all the way to their logical outcome, you'd see they're contradictory and confusing, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. So ego thoughts will always end up in, in kind of a muddle. Confusion, yeah. Confusion, right. It is surely clear. But wait a minute. We oh, don't sorry. we also don't take God's premises or God's thoughts to the logical conclusion. Because if we did, we we would get a different uh mind. We would get a different quality of mind. Let's just say God's will for me is perfect happiness. That's a premise of God. Well, if if you took that all the way to the end, you would see that only God's will is true and that only God's will for you is happiness. Therefore, if you're living by God's will, you'd be happy all the time. Yeah. So that would be the logical conclusion. But we don't take, we don't take the premises far enough we get stuck on the premises. Mm. You know, like, let's just say we're angry at somebody and we justify that, Mm. right? We have a thought about them and we justify that. Well, if we took that thought to its logical conclusion, we would see that the very thing we're judging them for, we've probably done it too, Mm. right? So if we were going to be angry at them, we'd have to be angry at ourselves. And then what's the point of that? We're attacking both people. Mm-hmm. So we, it's saying you would end up in confusion if you took the ego's premises all the way to the final conclusion. Mm-hmm. But we don't go deep enough for that. So it's asking us to go deeper. It is surely clear that you can both accept into your mind what is not there and deny what is. 
yet the function of God, the function God Himself gave your mind through His, you may deny, but you cannot prevent. It is the logical outcome of what you are. The ability to see a logical outcome depends on the willingness to see it, but its truth has nothing to do with your willingness. Truth is God's will. Share His will, and you share what He knows. Deny his will and you are denying his kingdom and yours okay so um, you know God creates with certain premises and let's just say God created you and you are as God created you well what's that that's saying that whether you're aware of that or not that is still true God creates and his creations are really there and they are true. Now, if you as a son of God are unaware that you're a son of God, it doesn't affect the fact that you still are a son of God. Mm -hmm. You were created a son of God. Whether you're aware of it or not is basically that saying. So your awareness or unawareness or willingness to see that or unwillingness to see that doesn't affect the truth of that mm. because that's already been created and you can't you can't alter that what god creates is reality it's always there so you you can't nothing you think or do or say is going to have any bearing uh on on that fact now, what you do or say will have bearing on whether you're aware of that fact. Mm. And that's the whole point of the miracle, to get you aware of the joy, aware of the fact that you are as God created you. God created you as joy. Mm. All right? So if you're not in a state of joy, then you're not being who you are as God created you as far as your awareness of that. You still are as God created you, but you're just not aware of it. So therefore, you're not in the state of joy. Mm. So therefore, you can confuse pain and joy. You can think that, oh, well, it's just your lot in life to be in pain, and and that's just the way it is. But that would be a confusion of the ego. The Holy Spirit will direct you only so as to avoid pain. Yeah. Surely no one would object to this goal if you recognized it. The problem is not whether what the Holy Spirit says is true, but whether you want to listen to what he says. You know more recognize what is painful than you know what is joyful and are in fact very apt to confuse the two. The Holy Spirit's main function is to teach you to tell them apart. What is joyful to you is painful to the ego. And as long as you are in doubt about what you are, you will be confused about joy and pain. This confusion is the cause of the whole idea of sacrifice. Obey the Holy Spirit and you will be given up, giving up the ego, but you will be sacrificing nothing. On the contrary, you will be gaining everything. If you believe this, there would be no conflict. Yeah, okay. That's well, pretty clear. Well, yeah, and God's will for us is perfect happiness. Yeah. It doesn't mean God's will for you is happiness, but you got to struggle and sacrifice to get there. You know, that would be a contradiction. Yeah. So, so... Uh, when you are aligned with the Holy Spirit, you're going to get the truth and you're going to get joy and you're going to get more connected to everything. 
and it's just but you have to make the decision you know you have to make the uh, you have to make the movement towards listening to the holy spirit it, it says you know the holy spirit's going to tell you the truth but are you going to listen to it yeah that is why you need to demonstrate the obvious to yourself it is not obvious to you you believe that doing the opposite of god's will can be better for you you also believe that it's possible to do the opposite of God's will. Therefore, you believe that an impossible choice is open to you and one which is both fearful and desirable. Yet God wills. He does not wish. Your will is as powerful as his because of it is his. The ego wishes. The ego's wishes do not mean anything because the ego wishes for the impossible. You can wish for the impossible, but you... Can you can, you can wish, will you can wish only for, with no God. you can wish for the impossible but you can will only with God. This is the ego's weakness and your strength. Yeah, okay. So a wish and a will are two different things. Mm. You know, there's a lesson um um conflicting wishes cannot be my will. You know, so wishes can be conflicting. They can be here today, gone tomorrow, have a lot of opposition from others. Um, but the will is one thing. Like when, when the lesson says God's will for me is perfect happiness, well, that will would be for everybody. Mm. God's will for everybody is perfect happiness. Yeah. He's not saying, well, my will is for happiness for you, but people are on death row. That's not my will for them. Mm -hmm. You know, they deserve punishment. No, that, that's not the way it works. A, a will coming from the Creator is the will for the universe and the cosmos and every atom of creation in that cosmos. Mm -hmm. so, so will is unified. Wishes have contradictions. I might wish for this one day and wish for something else the next day. You know, I might wish to be with you now and let's get married. And 10 years from now, I might wish to get divorced and hate your guts. Mm -hmm. You know, so wishes are, are of the ego and they're changeable. Will is not changeable and it's from the Creator. Okay. That is why you need to demonstrate the obvious to yourself. It is not obvious to you. You believe that doing the opposite of God's will can be better for you. Wow, that's a heavy one. You also believe that it is possible to do the opposite of God's will. Therefore, well, that, yeah. yeah. Therefore, you believe that an impossible choice is open to you and one which is both fearful and desirable. Yet yeah. God wills. He does not wish. That's what you said. Your will is as powerful as his because it is his. The ego's wishes do not mean anything because the ego wishes for the impossible. You can wish for the impossible, but you can own you can will only with God, and that is the ego's weakness, and that is your strength. Mm. Kind of that's what you just said. Yeah. Right. Go for the next yeah, one. Yeah, the Holy Spirit always sides with you and with your strength. As long as you avoid his guidance in any way, you want to be weak. Yet weakness is frightening. What else then can this decision mean except that you want to be fearful? Yeah. The Holy Spirit never asks for sacrifice, but the ego always does. 
When you are confused about this distinction in motivation, it can only be due to projection. Projection is a confusion in motivation, and giving this confusion, trust becomes impossible. No one gladly obeys a guide he does not trust, but this does not mean that the guide is untrustworthy. In this case, it always means that the follower is. However, this too is merely a matter of his own belief. Believing that he can betray, he believes that everything can betray him. Yet this is only because he has elected to follow false guidance. Unable to follow this guidance without fear, he associates fear with guidance and refuses to follow any guidance at all. If this result if the result of this decision is confusion, it's hardly surprising. Wow, that's a heavy one. Yeah, well, I mean, let's just follow it. It, it says, um, you have a guidance called the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and you can refuse to use the guidance. And then the refusal of his guidance makes you weaker. And then the weakness brings in the fear. So you're actually deciding to be guided by fear. Mm. And then because you're being guided by something that you don't trust, you know, it's like we use the ego to guide us, but we also don't trust the ego and because it brings up a lot of fear in us. And then because we feel the fear, we just say, forget it. I don't even need any guidance. I'm going to guide myself. So you have no guidance, and that's what it's saying. You decide for no guidance, uh, and that's that's the way the ego operates. Mm. Be- and because you've you've un you have unwillingness to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance, well, you got to follow something. So then it, you get weaker, you get more afraid, and then you reach a point where you're so afraid and you're so weak that you just say, I don't want any guidance. Mm. And then that leads to even more confusion. Everybody says, screw it, right? Yeah, everybody says, screw it, fuck it, I'm, I'm, I've fed up. And then they're, they're like, okay, well, they're just like a ship with no rudder. They're just uh, uh, no guidance at all. The Holy Spirit is perfectly trustworthy as you are. God himself trusts you, and therefore your trustworthiness is beyond question. It will always remain beyond question, however much you may question it. I said before that you are the will of God. Okay, you are the will of God. Mm. That means your identity is the will of God. And that's what we were saying, you know, in a few podcasts past about happiness. Mm. God being love is also happiness. God's will for me is perfect happiness. Mm -hmm. Well, that means if you are the will of God, then you are the happiness. Mm -hmm. The happiness is not dependent on conditions outside yourself. It's an a priori statement of your identity. You are happiness. You are the will of God, so you are happiness. Yes, exactly. His will is not an idle wish. And your identification with his will is not optional since it is what you are. Sharing his will with me is not really open to choice, though it may seem to be. The whole separation lies in this error. The only way out of this error is to decide that you do not have to decide anything. Everything has been given you by God's decision. That is his will, and you cannot undo it. Yeah, so I, I know there is a lesson that says heaven is a decision I must make. 
Well, the, see, the ego wants to reinterpret that and think that there is a hell and there's a heaven that you have to pick between, right? Well, the decision for heaven is seeing that there is only heaven. Mm. And what I made up as a hell is not even there, right? Mm. So when you get to that level of awareness, there's nothing to decide, it says. Mm. The decision has already been made. Mm. You already are in heaven. You're just not seeing it. So when you stop projecting hell you will see that you're already and always have been in heaven. And that's and then there's nothing to decide. So read those last couple lines again. The only way out of the error is to decide that you do not have to decide anything. Everything has been given you by God's decision that is his will and you cannot undo it. Okay, so the will has already been done and the decision has already been made. And... You are as God created you, and that's always been so. And as God created you, you've always been in heaven, and that is so. So the decision has already been made, which means it's not even a decision you have to make. Okay. Even the relinquishment of your false decision-making prerogative, which the ego guards so jealously, is not accomplished by your wish. It was accomplished by you, by the will of God, who has not left your, you comfortless. His voice will teach you how to distinguish between pain and joy and will lead you out of the confusion you have made. There is no confusion in the mind of the Son of God whose will must be the will of the Father because the Father's will is his Son. Yeah, okay, so that's pretty clear. And, like, the pain comes from confusion. Mm. Uh, the pain comes from not uh, uh, allowing yourself awareness of the will of your creator. If you were aware of the will of your creator, you'd see, well, God's will for me is perfect happiness. God's will for me is to be in my natural state, which would be the heaven state, which would be joy. So it's like God's will for me is joy, mm. and I am joy. Mm. I I am as God created me, which means I am doing the will of God, and the only result of that could be joy. Mir- There's no confusion yeah. in that. Right. Miracles are in accord with the will of God, whose will you do not know because you are confused about what you will. This means that you are confused about what you are. If you are God's will and do not accept his will, you are denying joy. The miracle is therefore a lesson in what joy is. Being a lesson in sharing, it is a lesson in love, which is joy. Every miracle is thus a lesson in truth, and by offering truth, you are learning the difference between pain and joy. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that could be the mission statement of these podcasts. You know, that last paragraph. Uh, The purpose of the podcast is for us to get in touch with the will of our Creator. And the will of our Creator is to see who we are. Who we are is the will. The will is the joy. Mm -hmm. And then when we're sharing the joy, that's, that's like increasing it. And that's love. And the purpose of the podcast is to is to share the love between us 
And those are where the miracles are. Mm. So, I mean, that's such a beautiful mission statement for the whole Gifts of God program in that one paragraph. Okay. Let's, let's read it one more time in just that last paragraph. Miracles are in accord with the will of God, whose will you do not know because you are confused about what you will. This means that you are confused about what you are. If you are God's will and do not accept his will, you are denying joy. The miracle is therefore a lesson in what joy is. Being a lesson in sharing, it is a lesson in love, which is joy. Every miracle is thus a lesson in truth, and by offering truth, you are learning the difference between pain and joy. Okay, and I would also go and say, learning the lesson uh, of the will is also learning our self-identity. Our self-identity is love. Our self-identity is joy. Our self-identity is truth. Mm-hmm. And Babaji would say truth, simplicity, love, and, mm-hmm. and then service to humanity, which is sharing. Mm-hmm. Nothing real can be increased except by sharing. So that would be the service part. And that would be what we're doing here with uh, the Gifts of God program. We're sharing. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Good. Um, I had a lesson picked out, okay. so I'm gonna I'm gonna do the lesson today. Yeah. Um, this is lesson 186. Salvation of the world depends on me. Here is the statement that will one day take all arrogance away from every mind. Here is the thought of true humility which holds no function as your own, but that which has been given you. It offers you acceptance of a part assigned to you without insisting on another role. It does not judge your proper role. It but acknowledges the will of God is done on earth as well as heaven. It unites all wills on earth in heaven's plan to save the world restoring it to heaven's peace. What's interesting, I'll talk again about the will of God, and that's your role in this will, which is the salvation of the world, which depends on you. So the salvation of the world depends on you accepting that you are this will of God, right? Let us not fight our function. We did not establish it. It is not our idea. The means are given by which it will be perfectly accomplished. All that we are asked to do is accept our part in genuine humility and not deny with self-deceiving arrogance that we are worthy. What is given to us to do, we have the strength to do. Our minds are suited perfectly to take part the part assigned to us by one who knows us well. So that would be the Holy Spirit. Mm. Today's idea may seem quite sobering until you see its meaning. All it says is that your father still remembers you and offers you the perfect trust he holds in you who are his son. It does not ask that you be different in any way from what you are. What could humility request but this? And what could arrogance deny but this? Today we will not shrink from our assignment on the specious grounds that modesty is outraged. It is pride that would deny the call for God himself. 
All false humility we lay aside today that we may listen to God's voice reveal to us what he would have us do. We do not doubt our adequacy for the function he will offer us. We will be certain that only he knows our strengths, our wisdom, and our holiness. And if he deems us worthy, so we are. It is but arrogance that judges otherwise. Well, I think this is like, you know, a pretty lofty statement. Salvation of the world depends on me. So that's like, if I don't take up my role in salvation, the world won't be saved. Mm. All right, so that's a pretty lofty assignment. But what the ego does, it says, oh, you can't be that good enough that salvation of the whole world would depend on you. And this lesson is saying that line of reasoning is arrogant. Mm. When you, that would be like, saying I'm not worthy. That's a very common personal lie mm. uh, that people have. You know, and it, you even have to say that in the Catholic Mass before mm. you take the communion. You mm. have to say, uh, oh, I'm not worthy to receive, but just say the word and I'll be healed. You have to keep affirming your unworthiness in order to be saved. Yeah. All right? Well, this is saying you are the one who is going to save the world total opposite of that you know and and the church would deem what its liturgy is as humility mm-hmm. and it would deem this lesson as arrogance unbelievably arrogant yeah, it would. when really it's the opposite this is humility to accept who you are as god created you mm-hmm. and it's arrogant to deny that and call yourself unworthy yeah i know So this lesson is correcting that. All false humility we lay aside today that we may listen to God's voice really reveal to us what he would have us do. We do not doubt our adequacy for the function he will offer us. We will be certain only that he knows our strengths, our wisdom, and our holiness. And if he deems us worthy, so we are. It is but arrogance that judges otherwise. There is one way and only one to be released from the imprisonment your plan to prove the false is true has brought to you. Accept the plan you did not make instead. Judge not your value to it. If God's voice assures you that salvation needs your part and that the whole depends on you, be sure that it is so. The arrogant must cling to words, afraid to go beyond them to experience which might affront their stance. Yet are the humble free to hear the voice which tells them what they are and what to do. Arrogance makes an image of yourself that is not real. It is this image which quails and retreats in terror as the voice for God assures you that you have the strength, the wisdom, and the holiness to go beyond all images. You are not weak, as is the image of yourself. You are not ignorant and helpless. Sin cannot tarnish the truth in you, and misery can come not near the holy home of God. All this the voice for God relates to you. And as he speaks, the image trembles and seeks to attack the threat it does not know 
sensing its basis crumble. Let it go. Salvation of the world depends on you, not upon this little pile of dust. What can it tell the Holy Son of God? Why need he be concerned with it at all? And so we find our peace. We will accept the function God has given us, for all illusions rest upon the world, the weird belief, all illusions rest upon the weird belief that we can make another for ourselves. Our self-made roles are shifting, and they seem to change from mourner to ecstatic bliss of love and loving. We can laugh or weep and greet the day with welcome or with tears. Our very being seems to change as we experience a thousand shifts in mood and our emotions raise us high indeed or dash us to the ground in hopelessness. Is this the Son of God? Could he create such instability and call it Son? He who is changeless shares his attributes with his creation. All the images his son appears to make have no effect on what he is. They blow across his mind like wind-swept leaves that form a patterning an instant, break apart to group again, and scamper off. Or like mirages seen above a desert rising from the dust. These unsubstantial images will go and leave your mind unclouded and serene when you accept the function given you. The images you make give rise but to conflicting goals, impermanent and vague, uncertain and ambiguous. Who could be constant in his efforts or direct his energies and concentrated drive towards goals like these? The functions which the world esteems are so uncertain that they change ten times an hour at their most secure. What hope of gain can rest on goals like this? In lovely contrast, certain as the sun's return each morning to dispel the night, your truly given function stands out clear and wholly unambiguous. There is no doubt of its validity. It comes from one who knows no error, and his voice is certain of its messages. They will not change nor be in conflict. All of them point to one goal and one you can attain. Your plan may be impossible, but God's can never fail because he is its source. Do as God's voice directs. And if it asks a thing of you which seems impossible, remember who it is that asks, and who would make denial. Then consider this, which is more likely to be right, the voice that speaks for the creator of all things, who knows all things exactly as they are, or a distorted image of yourself, confused, bewildered, inconsistent, and unsure of everything. Let not its voice direct you. Hear instead certain voice, which tells you of a function given you by your Creator who remembers you, and urges that you now remember Him. His gentle voice is calling from the known to the unknowing. He would comfort you, although He knows no sorrow. He would make a restitution, though He is complete. 
a gift to you, although he knows that you have everything already. He has thoughts which answer every need his son perceives, although he sees them not. For love must give, and what is given is his name. It given in his name takes on the form most useful in a world of form. These are the forms which never can deceive, because they come from formlessness itself. Forgiveness is an earthly form of love, which, as it is in heaven, has no form. Yet what is needed here is given here as it is needed. In this form you can fulfill your function even here, although what love will mean to you when formlessness has been restored to you is greater still. Salvation of the world depends on you who can forgive. Such is your function here. Mm. Well, it's interesting that it, it really brings forgiveness into light in this last paragraph. Yeah. And it says, salvation of the world depends on you who can forgive. Forgiveness is an earthly form of love, which, as it is in heaven, has no form. Well, you know, it's like clear. Forgiveness is your function as the light of the world. And salvation of the world depends on you accepting your function, which is to forgive mm. <laughs> yourself and everyone else. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that was a that was a delightful podcast. So, thank you guys for being here and have a good week. And hope to hear from you this week. Write us an email anytime. <laughs>